This is Murder Bucket. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to Tuesday. We have another installment in our Last Supper series... And be sure to stick around to the end as we have True Crime News Corner, September edition. Let's quickly do our week-slash-weekend recap. This past weekend, I went on a little bachelorette weekend with several of my girlfriends to, of course, celebrate one of them getting married in a couple of weeks. And this one was just a little bit different. The theme of the bachelorette weekend was Till Death Do Us Party, Because the bride-to-be loves everything Halloween, spooky, and horror-themed. So we had little makeup bags that said, Till Death Do Us Party. And one of the girls had made glasses that actually say her bachelorette weekend, Till Death Do Us Party with little ghosts and disco balls, which was absolutely adorable. They got her a black veil to wear. And then a little black sash that said, The Bride-to-be. And of course, like I said, because she loves all things horror and Halloween, we celebrated her the best way that we knew how, which was to take her to a haunted forest. Now, I am not into like all the spooky horror themed kind of stuff. I do like Halloween. So pumpkins and bonfires and all of those things are my favorite, but not being spooked or scared or chased by a chainsaw. None of that was interesting to me. So I ended up just staying like in a little village that they had at this haunted forest with one of the other girls, which was completely fine because her and I had fantastic conversations while we were waiting for the other girls to get out. And then the next morning, we went out to brunch, hung out with each other just a little bit longer and kind of strolled in the downtown area where we were. And then we went home and it was a fantastic weekend. Yesterday was my best friend's 30th birthday, so very happy birthday to her, and today is my mother-in-law's birthday, so another very happy birthday to her. Let's go ahead and get into our Last Supper series. Tonight, we are discussing Gustavo Julian Garcia. The only thing that we know about Gustavo Julian Garcia is that he was born on September 27, 1972, in McKinney, Texas, and had a common-law wife named Sheila Marie Garcia. And we're going to jump right in as to why Gustavo is part of our Last Supper series. On December 9, 1990, Gustavo robbed the warehouse beverage store in Plano, Texas. When he first entered the store, he demanded cash from 43-year-old Craig Tursky, while displaying a 20-gauge sawed-off shotgun. When Craig attempted to escape, Gustavo shot him in the abdomen, reloaded, and then fatally shot him in the head. While Gustavo was killing Craig, his accomplice, 16-year-old Christopher Varga, 
was taken stolen alcohol to their car. Almost a month later, Gustavo participated in a second robbery at a Texaco station on January 5th, 1991, along with Christopher and his wife Sheila as the getaway driver. When they entered, 18-year-old store clerk Gregory Martin was talking on the phone with his girlfriend. Gustavo and Christopher overheard him telling his girlfriend that he feared he was being robbed and asked her to call the police. He was taken to the back of the store and shot in the head. While Gustavo was doing this, Christopher was taking the stolen alcohol to their car like he did in the first robbery. Gregory's girlfriend was able to call the police and when they arrived, Gustavo and Christopher were still inside. All three were arrested immediately. While Gustavo was being read his Miranda rights, he confessed to both murders. Christopher Vargas was convicted on capital murder charges and sentenced to life in prison. Sheila Maria Garcia was convicted on conspiracy to commit robbery and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Gustavo Julian Garcia was convicted on capital murder charges and sentenced to death. Gustavo arrived on death row on January 8, 1992 at the O.B. Ellis unit located in Walker County, Texas, just 12 miles north of Huntsville. While housed there, he attempted to escape on Thanksgiving Day 1998 along with six other prisoners, but was arrested immediately after. After this escaped attempt, he was moved to the Allen B. Polunsky unit located in Polk County, Texas, just five miles southwest of Livingston. His execution date was set for March 31, 1999. In 1997, Gustavo filed his first application for a writ of habeas corpus in state court, but in 1998, the state issued findings of fact and conclusions of law recommending that the application be denied. In March of 1999, the United States District Court of the Eastern District of Texas, Judge Scheel granted a motion to appoint new counsel and stayed Gustavo's execution. Gustavo then filed his first federal habeas petition in August of 1999. The state confessed error as to his claim that the trial court allowed improper testimony by the state's expert witness during the punishment phase of the trial. A second jury trial was held in February and March of 2001, and the jury again sentenced Gustavo to death. There was an automatic direct appeal shortly after where the Criminal Court of Appeals affirmed his sentence and denied his motion for rehearing. Gustavo filed a petition in the Supreme Court in October of 2004 and they denied his motion for rehearing. On February 12, 2008, Gustavo filed yet another application for a writ of habeas corpus in state court. They issued findings of fact and conclusion of law recommending that relief be denied. The Criminal Court of Appeals also denied relief on October 15, 2008. Gustavo filed his second federal habeas petition on October 11, 2008. In November of 2014, the district court issued a 163-page opinion 
denying relief and dismissing the case. Gustavo was now out of appeals. So what was Gustavo Julian Garcia's last meal? Well, Texas abolished last meals in 2011, so Gustavo received the same as the rest of the prisoners at the Allen B. Polunsky unit, which was chicken patties, macaroni and cheese, sweet peas, carrots, pinto beans, sliced bread, water, tea, or punch. In a way, I do prefer this because it keeps prisoners from either going overboard or asking for weird stuff as we have talked about before. But if I were in this situation of being put to death and I was able to eat whatever I wanted as my last meal or what everybody else wanted, I would try to request something. But in regards to what Gustavo was given, none of it is bad or gross. Depending on, I guess, what kind of chicken patties those were, were they supposed to be similar to maybe a hamburger or maybe chicken fried steak because it was Texas. Macaroni and cheese is, of course, a go-to thing for any barbecue. Sweet peas and carrots are just delicious as long as you cook them correctly. Pinto beans are not bad. I do love them over rice, so I kind of wish he had that option as well. Sliced bread, that kind of depends on if the bread got to be toasted and if it had butter on it. But if it was just plain sliced bread, I don't think that I would eat it. And if I had to choose between water, tea, or punch, I would probably choose punch just because it would have a little bit of flavor. I do drink water on occasion, I'm going to be honest with you, but I would rather have punch. And tea is just not my thing. And I know I said before that I was born in Memphis, Tennessee and raised there until I was 15. And then I lived in Texas for 10 years, but I just... I just don't like it. I don't really know what it is about tea that I don't like, but it's just not of interest to me. And now, 24 years later, at 6.10 p.m. on February 16, 2016, witnesses were brought into the execution viewing room. Gustavo was already strapped to a gurney. Officers asked if he had any last words, and he stated this, To my family... And to my mom, I love you. God bless you and stay strong. A lethal dose of pentobarbital was administered. And Gustavo Julian Garcia was pronounced dead at 6.26 p.m. And that concludes the story of Gustavo Julian Garcia. And now let's get into... Brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The body of a mutilated woman was found in 1974 and remained unidentified until October of 2022. 
Who killed her remained unknown until now. Authorities determined that 37-year-old Ruth Marie Terry was murdered and mutilated by her husband, Guy Mudavin. Guy died in 2002. Convicted killer Danilo Cavalcanti escaped from Chester County Prison and was on the run for 14 days until he was captured by a tactical team of Pennsylvania State Police and U.S. Customs and Border Protection personnel in a wooded area of South Conventry Township. Henry Terrio, the former national chairman of the Proud Boys, was sentenced to 22 years in prison with 36 months of supervised release for sedacious conspiracy and other charges related to the breach of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Danny Masterson was sentenced to 30 years to life in prison for raping two women. Authorities confirmed the identification of the remains of a man and a woman days ahead of the 22nd anniversary of the hijacked plane attack that killed nearly 3,000 people in Lower Manhattan. Their names were withheld by city officials at the request of their families. New York City's medical examiner has now been able to link remains to 1,649 World Trade Center victims a painstaking process that relies on leading-edge DNA sequencing techniques to test body fragments recovered in the rubble. Five former Memphis police officers involved in the deadly beating of Trey Nichols have been indicted by a federal grand jury, according to court documents. The five officers, Tadaris Bean, Demetrius Haley, Emmett Martin III, Desmond Mills Jr. and Justin Smith were charged with one count each of excessive force and deliberate indifference and two counts of witness tampering. The five men are also facing criminal court charges in Shelby County, Tennessee for second-degree murder, aggravated assault, two counts of aggravated kidnapping, two counts of official misconduct, and official oppression. Each of the former officers has pleaded not guilty to the state charges against them. Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced he is directing the U.S. House to open an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden over his family's business dealings, launching historic proceedings ahead of the 2024 election. McCarthy said that the House investigations so far paint a picture of a culture of corruption around the Biden family as Republicans probe the business dealings of the president's son, Hunter Biden, from before the Democratic president took office. A lawsuit filed after 13-year-old Diego Stoles was beaten to death by two middle school students has ended in a $27 million settlement, according to the lawyers representing the victim's legal guardians. This lawsuit has put schools on notice to find ways to effectively deal with bullying and to enact real anti-bullying policies, stated by one of the family's attorneys, written in a statement obtained by Today.com. Hunter Biden was charged by federal prosecutors with lying about his drug use when he purchased a handgun in 2018 and with illegally possessing the weapon, setting up the potential for a trial coinciding with his father's re-election campaign. 
homicide detectives were investigating the death of the mother of a former NFL player after both were reported missing from a Chicago suburb. Myrtle Brown, 73, was found unresponsive near a creek behind her home as officers searched for her and her son, Sergio Brown, 35, formerly of the Buffalo Bills. The Cook County Medical Examiner's Office stated by email that the elder Brown was killed by multiple injuries due to assault. It characterizes the manner of death as homicide. Family members who said they could not find or contact the two reported them missing. After an F-35 fighter jet disappeared into the South Carolina sky, officials have found its debris field and launched an investigation into the mishap that forced its pilot to eject. The pilot ejected near Charleston, South Carolina, and was taken to local medical facility in stable condition. The jet debris field, about two hours northeast of the Joint Base Charleston, was discovered after an extensive multi-agency search from both the ground and air. The F-35B Lightning II jet is described as the most lethal, survivable, and connected fighter jet in the world by Lockheed Martin. The jet cost about $100 million. Rupert Murdoch, the powerful right-wing media mogul who built and oversaw one of the world's most influential news empires, announced that he will step down as chairman of his companies, Fox Corporation and News Corporation. He stated this in an article, For my entire professional life, I have been engaged daily with news and ideas, and that will not change. But the time is right for me to take on different roles, knowing that we have truly talented teams. A charter bus carrying high school students to a band camp veered off of a New York highway and tumbled down an embankment, killing two adults and seriously injuring several others. The bus was one of six in a caravan taking the marching band, color guard, and dancers from Farmingdale High School on Long Island on a beloved annual trip to a camp in Greeley in northeastern Pennsylvania. It was only about 30 minutes from its destination when the wreck happened a little after 1 p.m. on Interstate 84. Robert Mendez of New Jersey, the Democratic chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, was charged with taking hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes, including bars of gold, to wield his power abroad and at home. The three-count federal indictment depicted a brazen plan hatched during dinners, in text messages, and on encrypted calls, much of it aimed at increasing U.S. assistance to Egypt and aiding businessmen in New Jersey. A New York judge found Donald Trump and his adult sons liable for fraud and canceled the Trump Organization's business certification, a shocking ruling that poses an existential threat to the former president's financial empire as he runs for a second term in the White House. Judge Arthur Ingoran's ruling is a complete rejection of Trump's arguments that he did not inflate the values of his golf courses, hotels, homes at Mar-a-Lago, and Seven Springs on financial statements. Greg Lawson, now 63, skipped town before a jury found him guilty of attempted second-degree murder in 1991. 
He was finally caught thanks to a tip that was received by FBI New Orleans agents. The FBI posted video from the Bineville Parish Sheriff's Office that shows Lawson being escorted by authorities at an airport. Lawson can be seen laughing just before an officer cuffs the fugitive more than three decades after he left the country. And finally, U.S. Army Private Travis King is on a flight back to the United States after being returned to American custody weeks after he crossed into North America. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said in a statement, We appreciate the dedication of the interagency team that has worked tirelessly out of concern for Private King's well-being. In addition, we thank the government of Sweden for his diplomatic role serving as the protecting power for the United States and the DPRK and the government of the People's Republic of China for its assistance in facilitating the transit of Private King. And that concludes tonight's episode. Before you go, please take a moment to listen to this promo from my friends at the Nameless Monsters podcast. Welcome to Nameless Monsters. We are an actual play podcast playing Monster of the Week this season. Travel to Triple Springs with Brad. This is going to blow your mind. I don't know if you've ever had s'mores, but if you've never had them with Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, then you never really had s'mores, right? You know what I'm saying? Okay, so first, and he goes through the whole process, makes him the s'mores, passes it across, and then just watches him with this big goofy grin on his face for him to take that first bite, like, eh? Eh? See, dude, that's what I'm saying, man. So it's like, it's like s'mores are already a 10. Cranks it up to 11, bro. Mags. Mags has her four-inch binder spread out in front of her, loose-leaf papers everywhere, pens sticking out of her hair, and she starts chanting with her eyes closed, finishes the chant, checks the page, says, nope, nope, that's wrong, and closes her eyes again and starts all over. And Morris. I've never driven a car before, and then they gave me this car, and they told me to drive 10 hours away, and, like, they know I don't have a license. I had to put that on my paperwork, uh, and, and they still gave me the car, and they still told me to drive the car so that I can go find this guy, and I'm, like, pretty sure I can't find people because, like, I'm not, I'm not like, a detective or anything. Like, my whoa. major's communications, and that, Dude, that's not a real three. thing. Adventuring every other Wednesday beginning September 7th. Nameless Monsters, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all your Murder Bucket updates. 